Let's say we're at a party. And it's a party where we're celebrating because, I don't know, somebody's gotten some good news. Somebody's got a new job coming. Maybe someone's just been engaged. Maybe someone's expecting. Those are good reasons to celebrate, right? Sure. So we get together with a bunch of our close friends and we celebrate. We have a good time. Of course, you know, there are a couple of people there that you wonder, how did they get invited? But, you know what? Everyone's enjoying themselves. It doesn't matter too much. Now, typically, if someone were to do something, I don't know, memorable at our parties, usually it's probably not the kind of story you want to talk about later in church. Is that fair? Yeah, you've been to some of those parties. But John doesn't tell us that Jesus and his disciples are at a party. But we are told that Jesus and all his disciples were invited to the house of Lazarus and his sisters Martha and Mary. Now, they're there for a dinner, but in my mind, this isn't just a casual get-together. This is something of a festive occasion. Because if you go back one chapter from where we read, remember that Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. You remember that story, don't you? Jesus had been traveling out, and Martha and Mary get word to Jesus that Lazarus is ill. Now, they kind of expect him to do something about it, him being Jesus and all. And so what he does is uh, he waits two days until he's dead to go see them. Good job, Jesus. And as he gets there, they're crying, they're weeping, they make him weep as well. And he goes to the tomb and he cries out, Lazarus, get out of that grave. And out comes Lazarus. You remember that story? Yeah. So do Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So I can't imagine that they just decided to get together to talk about the weather. I think they're there to celebrate. Because the last time they were together, Jesus did something amazing for them. Y'all with me? As far as parties go, this seems to be a good reason to celebrate. So I think they are celebrating. And I imagine them having a great time, enjoying each other's company. I see Mary serving proudly. Jesus is probably poking fun a little bit at Peter. Bartholomew wants to show off his karaoke skills. And you know, it's probably going to be someone named John who's full of all the lame jokes, because it's always somebody named John. That's okay. That's why he's Jesus' favorite. <laughs> In the middle of all that celebration, someone does something. Oh, maybe you're sitting there, you just poured yourself a, a, another glass of tea or something, and then you notice something in the corner of your eye. You notice that's, that's Mary. And she's carrying this bottle of, of something. Watch her. As you keep watching, what is she doing? doesn't look like she's helping Martha. doesn't look like she's doing anything productive. Now, Jesus is always the life of the party, isn't he? Of course, he's Jesus. So when she makes her way around to Jesus, that doesn't seem to be a surprise. Everyone wants to be around Jesus. But then, then she bows herself at Jesus' feet. All of a sudden, there's this fragrance all around the house. 
Did she just spill the bottle on Jesus' feet? That's so embarrassing. Golly. She didn't spill anything. She just poured every ounce of that perfume on his feet. Now, I can't tell if she's crying or if she's smiling. She doesn't say anything at all. The only one that really has anything to say is Judas. Really, Jesus? You had to bring him along, didn't you? That is so like you. He's got a point, though, this Judas guy. That bottle she just poured out is worth over $12,000. And now, now she's wiping it all up with her hair. Now, as far as party goes, I'd say that makes for a memorable party, don't you think? Do that, you might find yourself on YouTube. Okay? Now, this story raises all kinds of questions as we read it. But there's one question in the story that I think is really worth discussing, and it is the question of Judas. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii, over $12,000, and the money given to the poor? Seems like a pretty fair question. Sure, that question is coming from someone who doesn't really care about the poor. He's more concerned with his own well-being. But let me ask you, what do you think? Why wasn't that sold and the money used to give to the poor? Why did Mary offer such an overwhelming gift and then seem to make it so much more personal by wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. Why? I hope you're thinking about that. The truth is, we really don't know. Why? Now, Jesus interprets her actions after the fact. He says, she bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. And that has deep meaning for John's story because it kind of depicts what's about to happen to Jesus. But it happens after the fact. Mary doesn't say anything. John tells us what's on Judah's mind, but he says nothing about what's on Mary's mind. So the reality is we don't know why she did this. We don't know. So it's hard to look at the why aspect of this story, but I do think it's easy for us to look at the what does this mean for us who are reading this story 2,000 years later aspect of the story. Y'all with me? Okay, to the three of you, here goes. John used Mary's actions to show readers who first read this story who Jesus was. And John used Mary's actions to show us who are reading this story all these years later to show who Jesus is. Realize this. She didn't dump the perfume on his feet. She didn't use any of those little tester strips you get at the mall to kind of get a whiff of it. She didn't worry about wasting anything. She used what was important to her. I have to think it was important. $12,000 kind of sounds important to me. I don't know about y'all. But she used what was important to her to announce Christ as King. Without saying a word, Mary's memorable party 
is used as an invitation to see Jesus for who and what he really is. Jesus is king. Thank you. You have to understand that about Mary. You have to understand that John is telling us that what she has just done has just shown us something very important about Jesus. Now, I want you to remember that we are a part of the United Methodist Church, right? The United Methodist Church says that we are here to, quote, make disciples of Jesus Christ. Anybody remember the last part? For the transformation of the world. Whoever said that's our victor- valedictorian for the day. Good job. Very good. Oh, was it a preacher or a preacher's wife? Never mind. Never mind. Jeez. Now, we are here to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We say, as United Methodists, that's why we exist. Now, that begins with a recognition of who Jesus is. See, people have to be willing first to show who they think Jesus is so that others can see. Y'all with me? People have to be willing to show who Jesus is to them so that others can see for themselves just the same. Yeah, John, but you know, that's the big United Methodist Church. That's all them people in the bureaucracy and all those people who do whatever they want, what they do doesn't really apply to any of us here in Shiner or any other local church in our area, right? Wrong. Some of you may remember these. You, 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 you remember these little questionnaires we did some time ago? Several questions here, but one of the, the last questions I want to read to you reminds you of. What is your biggest prayer for our church? That's a good question for you to think about right now. But, um, let me tell you what some people said a while back. The biggest prayer is that we'd have the ability to continue to work as one body to move the church forward. That we could minister more to young families. That we continue to grow and prosper. That we would become more inclusive. Again, we could reach young people and their families. Growth in all ages. That we would be a welcoming church. That God will use this church to minister to others. Somebody didn't write anything. They just wanted to tell us when to have our service at. That one too. That we would continue to grow in numbers, somebody said. Somebody who happens to be under the age of 10, by the way, wrote this, to have love and care. More children. Somebody wrote everything. All right. Fiscal sanity, so that we can be good stewards. Continue to grow and represent God's will. Grow and prosper. That's the second one like that. I guess we're... Star Trek fans, aren't we? Better worship, spiritual growth, grow, pray, teach God's way, and last but not least, to continue to grow. My point is, these are your words, aren't they? 
So transformation sounds like something you want to have. Is that fair? All right, then. We want to be faithful. I know that. And we want God to do great things in us, and we want God to do great things through us. Amen? All right, you said it, so hold on. Our faith is important. If we're going to bring transformation through the power of God, we have to understand that it begins with our own faith. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Philippians, in the passage that Nancy read for us. That our faith is what makes us who we are. Our belief in the Almighty God, the loving God, the powerful God. And I'll assume faith has a place in your life because you're here today. Because let's be honest with each other, there's better things we can do on a Sunday morning. Right? Then you get all stiff-necked and dressed and they come sit down and listen to some big head guy talk. Right? There's better things you can do with your time. Right? Careful. But there are. But since you're here, that tells me that faith is important to you. So friends, have faith. Talk faith. Talk about faith with people you know. But there's something else we can start doing as well actually involves something that we can stop doing. See, there is a word that I have heard all throughout my church experience. And as most of you know, my church experience lasts about, I don't know, uh, 15, 17 years or so. But there's a word that I have been hearing no matter what church I'm at, no matter what city I'm at. It's a word I am trying to erase from our church talk. The word starts with the letter D. It's not a bad word. I just think it's a little misleading. And you might be surprised at how much you like that word and how much you use that word. Any guesses? Hmm? Devotion? Hear me clearly. Listen closely to what your pastor is about to tell you. I am asking you to never, ever, ever donate anything to God again. I am asking you to never, ever donate anything to God again. Now, what's wrong with donating? Nothing's wrong with it. There are causes in the world that need our support. Right? There are people who are doing good work. And we should support them. We should be a part of what they are doing. But friends, hear me out. God is not a worthy cause. We've already said Christ is king. Y'all with me? Christ is the one that was willing to take the shame of the cross so that you and I might know the love, grace, power of God. God's not a worthy cause, friends. Did Mary donate her perfume to Jesus? No, she didn't. That story would be a whole lot different if she did. Did Mary donate her hair to Jesus? Not just no, but hair no. That's funny. Not mine, but it's funny. She didn't donate anything. She offered the best she had. 
to God. You see, a donation implies that, you know, I, I, I like what you're doing. I like it. And I kind of want to be a part of it. So here's some, here's some money to help you out. Or, or, or here's some, some used clothing for you. Or, or here, here's this old lamp that I really kind of want to get rid of anyway. don't even know why I bought it in the first place. I hope it helps. Here you go. See, and we kind of like donation because a donator kind of has a power. Because it's the organization that needs the donator's help. Y'all with me? We like that. Believe it or not, friends, that's how many people see their giving to God. I know, somebody's probably thinking, oh, he's preaching about money. I'm not preaching about money. I'm preaching about life, friends. The only one that was worried about money was who? Judas. Preaching about life. I'm talking about a life that understands that everything we have is a gift from God. Don't donate to God. We offer ourselves to God. And I'm not just talking about money. Please, let's get over ourselves. Money, time, resources. These are the things that we offer to God. Because of who God is and what God has done for us. See, and when we kind of change our mind about donating something, if it becomes an offering instead, you know what? One thing that happens, we have to think about it a little more, don't we? If it's our offering to God, then maybe we need to think that, well, is that really what I really want to give? Or is that really the attitude I want to have while I'm giving or doing or serving? It makes us think a little more because our offering has more meaning. Mary's actions, friends, showed who Jesus was. And so do ours. Like Mary, we offer to God our best because of who God is and what God has done for us. Unless, now, if you don't feel like God's done anything for you, then let's talk. But I'm going to assume that you understand that God has done something for you. And I want you to hear me then, that our parties could be a lot more memorable, and this world could be transformed if we would stop donating to God. Let's pray. Oh God, everything in this world is a wonderful gift from you. Teach us, God, to be grateful for the many ways that you are at work, at work around us and for the assurance that we can have that we are loved by you. And God, with that assurance, teach us to be faithful to you with all of our lives. Help us, God, to know that our actions tell others exactly what we think about you. So much like Mary, God, who is willing to give you her best so that others would know you are Lord. Help us to do the same. In Jesus' name. Amen.